This is Recorded Future, Inside Security Intelligence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 209 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from The CyberWire. The Emotet malware and cybercrime campaign recently made headlines, not for infecting victims with TrickBot or QBot malware or spinning up a new botnet, but instead for being taken down by law enforcement. In January of this year, an international effort led by Europol took control of Emotet infrastructure, effectively taking it down, as well as making arrests of alleged perpetrators in Ukraine. To help us understand the impact of the takedown on the global malware ecosystem, I'm joined this week by Greg Lesnowich, Senior Intelligence Analyst with Recorded Futures Insect Group. Stay with us. The Insect Group is sort of not only Recorded Futures finished intelligence uh, piece of the organization, so written reports that um, come out publicly as well as ones that we do, uh, you know, for clients only or specifically for certain clients um, through our RFI service. In that realm, I handle a lot of our um, enablement of tracking uh, different threat actors um, and so really focus on, you know, technical threat discovery through anomalies and things like that um, to try and find hey, here's something that we're tracking and you know we want to make sure that we're catching the newest updates of to something more along the lines of, this is weird and we've never seen it before. Let's, let's go chase this down. Well, today we are focusing on the recent takedown of uh, Emotet. Uh, before we dig in here, uh, just for a, a matter of, uh, I guess, a, a matter of order here, are you an Emotet guy or an Emotet guy? Uh, I'm an Emotet guy, uh, but I defer to you know anyone else's pronunciation. It's it's it, just like every other botnet; it's a made up word. Um, right, right, right. <laughs> so and it falls on us to to pronounce it and then get criticized when we inevitably get it wrong. It's it's just as bad as the the Winti versus WinNTI uh, debate. There you go. There you go. Well, let's start off uh, with just some historical stuff here. I mean, what are your first recollections of of Emotet? Sort of taking the stage. I first encountered Emotet in in an old, you know, old old job back in 2014 when I was brand new um, on the you know info, information security cybersecurity realm. And the big thing at the time was the Game Over Zeus botnet and that getting taken down. And around the same time, this uh, this Emotet thing popped up, and it was you know this pretty evasive um, at the time banking trojan. Between then and 2018, 2019 timeframe, it really sort of ramped up um, and got bigger and bigger and bigger um, until, you know, it sort of, uh, I think it's operators and developers sort of took stock and said, we can make way more money by just generating infections with our botnet and then selling that access to other malware operators of different families uh, because they were very, very good rewriting, um, you know, everything from their emailers and the Word documents that would predominantly use PowerShell um, to execute and pull down, you know, the initial backdoor. They were also really good at cycling all of that stuff um, to make sure it would stay ahead of, you know, antivirus detection and things like that and stay ahead of researchers, despite taking a few different breaks during that time. And, you know, they would stop spamming for, you know, six to eight weeks at a time, sometimes around holidays and things like that or, or, or the new year. And despite that, they were, you know, far and away the biggest distributor of spam, despite taking those breaks 
um, compared to any other entity. It didn't matter what organization you were a part of. You were seeing this spam coming in and pummeling you day after day after day. For an individual user, the threat was sort of moderately high. You know, you're getting hit with all this spam. The attachments would sort of vary in, in their methodology. And for an individual user, like on your home computer, yeah, it's a risk because you know, it would go into your email directory, find who you've been talking to, and then use those email reply threads to start sending out more spam. But the real risk uh, came from if they would get a hold of a, a computer or a user that was connected to a corporate network, because then it was off to the races with, you know, TrickBot is sort of the one that got a lot of the limelight, um, but they they generated a lot more infections than they just sold the TrickBot. So the risk of TrickBot or any other information stealer, backdoor, botnet, banking trojan, whatever you'd want to sort of lump into that category of threat actor that could buy access from Emotet's initial infection was, you know, fair game uh, for the spam that landed. And so the volume coupled with, you know, who their clientele were made them really prominent in something that a lot of different organizations and I guess coalitions, for lack of a better term, were, were put together to start fighting. And is a component of this their reliability that, you know, if, if you hired Imotet to, to, to do something for you, it would go through, it would be done? Yeah, it, it definitely seemed that way. Um, it was, in, in terms of day-to-day tracking, um, I know that, you know, the Crypto Lamus group with uh, Joseph Rusin, I think, is, is the most prominent uh, member of. And, you know, they would put out daily changes to not only the botnet's infrastructure, but um, the inbound data that they would see just from spam. Whether or not their tactics worked, the sheer volume seemed to. Most of the time, they would rotate their tactics as well. One of the big things they would do is go back and forth between links to documents inside the email, uh, documents being inside of um, a zip file with a password. Both of those things would evade uh, email technologies pretty well. And then just good old-fashioned Word documents with macros um, at some point in those chains. And even though you know they had these great tactics and that volume of spam that was getting sent, and so it sort of just led to this, you know, to your point, reliable, I think is a really, really good word. I'm not sure if they were, if they took requests, like I'm not sure if they were like a, a, a house or a bar band that took requests or if they right, sort of right, showed up and right. said, hey, we're going to do our thing. If you want some of it, cool. But if not, we're just going to be over here doing it. So I, I right. do think, yeah, I do think that they sort of, my hunch, and, and I have no idea about how they operated as an organization. My hunch is more that they would then sell those accesses, sort of like um, how we talk about sometimes uh, with criminal forums, more select group of, um, you know, e-crime actors. And I think that, you know, that's just my hunch, just a theory. That is definitely not something that recorded feature backs. But I think that generally those, you know, top tier infections, you know, something that was really juicy would get, you know, shown to a select group and then they could decide if no one wanted it, then it could, would go down to sort of, you know, the rest of the riffraff that they trusted enough to know that they were getting them access, but not enough to, you know, give them the goods the first go around. And I, and I think that that model proved really effective. And uh, looking through all of, um, you know, what Europol published um, about the takedown, you know, it, they were very, very effective um, in doing all these things and monetizing. And I don't think I've seen an estimate for how much money they could have potentially made. But I think even just taking the ransom payments that came out um, as a result of Emotet operations, it would put them in the, the pretty high millions uh, already. Mm-hmm. 
Well, so at the point where the takedown occurred, how did things stand with Emotet? I mean, were they were they chugging away as as they always had? Were they in a lull period? Where, where, where did things stand with them? The two two main events have happened, I think, in the first uh, you know half of twenty twenty one. The first was uh, a complete seizure of Emotet's infrastructure. Not only the tier one traditional C two servers that you would see. Um, if you had an Emotet infection inside of your network, but sweeping up all of the tier twos, you know, however many tiers deep it went, the Emotet operators would actually log into um, to get data about the victims. Most of that was undertaken by under Europol um, with coordination from groups from uh, law enforcement groups from France, the Netherlands, Germany, the US, of course, um, Ukraine, uh, the UK's National Crime Agency was also involved. Um, and I believe there was a contribution from Canada, Japan, um, and Lithuania as well. Hmm. So it was really, truly, you know, an international effort um, to take this thing down. And so they they didn't show up um, unprepared, though. And what effectively happened is when they when they took control of these servers, they were then able to push an updated, you know, version or configuration of Emotet to all of the active infections that were communicating with those servers. What it did was they basically pointed them to a new set of C2 servers. I say C2 because it was still a malware infection that was checking in, um, mm-hmm. even though it, it had been modified by law enforcement. And so that went, that all their, you know, infection traffic got routed to a, uh, a number of servers, I believe in Germany, um, so that law enforcement could monitor who was infected and send out notice um, and things like that. The other thing that occurred inside of the, the, you know, the malware itself, when they pushed that update was a new function that would uninstall it. And that uninstall date happened on April 25th, uh, and it was a joyous day among information security researchers everywhere, um, <laughs> and blue teams and sysadmins and all that sort of stuff. So it was it was a pretty intensive operation, and you know there there was huge contribution from outside of law enforcement, particularly from the Cryptolamus group, to document just how big of a problem this thing was. And you know sometimes it's uh, you know, I, I think it's a nice reminder to some of us that, um, you know, sort of grind day in and day out and you're not really feeling the motivation to be reminded that, oh, you know, even though this thing seems like incomprehensible, incomprehensibly large and difficult, like all the work that I'm doing has led to something beyond just keeping my little enterprise safe, which I think is pretty cool because the the two the two or three folks that run CryptoLamus um, are sysadmins. They're not threat intelligence researchers or threat hunters or, you know, this big, crazy, you know, awe-inducing title. They're just the folks that we try and help ourselves, the ones that have no time to do anything because mm-hmm. they, they have a million different tasks they have to handle. And so it was a, it was a cool win for that crew. And I, and I 2021 has been dominated by vulnerabilities um, and, you know, problems with computers as, as they tend to go with, whether it was the Microsoft, Microsoft Exchange stuff you know, vulnerabilities in, in iOS um, and all these sort of big things that required very, very um, emergency patching or mitigation. Cancel your weekend sort of vulnerabilities. Um, right, right. Pulse, Pulse Secure, I think, was the most recent one and, and, and vulnerability in SonicWall. Um, and even though those things have dominated, I can't imagine how much harder remediation or patching of those things would have been if Emotet was also breathing down our neck that whole time. 
even though I thought that 2021 was going to suck way less than 2020. Um, and <laughs> wow, it, how could it, it not? <laughs> it, 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 it only kind of hasn't. It's, it's, right, you know, it's, right. <laughs> it's still a, a neck and neck race, but um, the emotes had takedown is definitely to me, like one of the feel good stories um, that's come out of this year. It's, it's always tough to measure time saved when, mm. when you don't have a problem anymore. And so, you know, I, I just sort of keep calling back to that as a reminder of, this thing isn't around anymore, and this took up so much time for so many people, um, and it was hitting across the globe. You know, the spam went in, in pretty dedicated twenty-hour cycles almost every day. You know, it, it, it seemed like uh, the only downtime was when, before dawn in Japan, after sunset. You know, maybe not on the west coast of the United States, but maybe the east coast. So there was mm-hmm. a thin little line in there, and so it was just pounding day after day after day. I'm particularly grateful to everyone involved in the the action on it. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a, it, it's almost um, a global eradication, you know, it's like, uh, hey, we don't have to deal with smallpox anymore. Hey, we don't have to deal with polio anymore. You know, this is, mm-hmm. uh, this was something that was taking time, energy and resources from everyone. And, and now it's not. Yeah. One of the law enforcement agencies ran into some pushback because they, quote unquote, hacked servers inside of I forget if it was inside of their country or another country that seemed very, very similar to um, what the FBI recently did with um, web shells that were installed by the Chinese threat actor in the wake of all the exchange um, vulnerabilities becoming public. You know, I I am not a lawyer uh, and I'm not uh, an officer of the law, but, (laughs) you know, there, there is sort of just this this odd balance that I think we have to, you know, strike with computers that are a little bit different, you know, than, than handling this as you would a human, you know, mm-hmm. you know, preemptive, yeah. a preemptive strike human wise is a terrible, terrible, in my opinion, thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, can be really short sighted and have blowback. I think it's a little bit different in cyber where something like this, um, whether it's emotet or these hyphium actors, you know, that may cause them to, to draw back, to retool and do those sorts of things. But those effects, I think, have, you know, positive outcomes. I just don't see it as much of as an invasion of privacy. And I understand why it could be viewed that way. But I, I think that the cost that the benefits just outweigh the cost for action on, on both of those um, accounts. What do you suppose the message is that this sends to the global community? I mean, do we expect are the Emotet gang, or do they go skulking quietly off into the night? Do do other folks who are in this business, does this change the value proposition for them? One of the things that people globally um, and, you know, criminal, you know, the e-crime actors included, is that, you know, this might not seem like an anomaly anymore. You know, back in the early 2010s, coordinated takedowns of botnets were a pretty regular occurrence. Then they sort of wasn't in vogue anymore, perhaps. 2020, we have the the TrickBot, uh, you know, seizures and attempted takedowns, and then you know, followed very shortly by the Emotet seizure of servers, and and I think in that, you know, the adversaries we've seen respond um, in some pretty interesting ways. Um, the TrickBot actors, for instance, have moved and sort of bifurcated their own botnet into what looks like a trusted branch and sort of a an everybody else branch with a little bit more diversity in what they're choosing to use. Um, for infrastructure, we think um, as a response to both the takedown efforts of it and Emotet to make sure that if one of their operators or developers gets gets arrested, 
or if a takedown happens, you know, the rest of the operation is insulated. And so I think that that's sort of where um, a lot of the the e-crime actors see see this going and sort of saying, okay, we need to, you know, people are, are taking notice of this. I don't think they feel necessarily super threatened um, because it wasn't like, I couldn't estimate how many people work on Emotet. Um, I don't think it's the thousand engineers that, that has been estimated for other malware operations, but, um, right. you know, it, it's got to be a pretty big operation. And if, if there are a few dozen people in handcuffs, I'm more inclined to believe to believe it's gone. That being said, mm. I, I think that uh, the operators and developers could either move on to a new project, reinvigorate their old Emotet, or, you know, sort of sift into, um, you know, other e-crime operations. I don't know how easy those things occur. Um, I don't I don't know if you can put, you know, Emotet developer uh, on your resume, but right. <laughs> I, I have to imagine that in, in, in you know, sort of small and trusted communities, um, same, I think, with our threat intel communities where they're, you know, if you've proven yourself, people can vouch that you've done good work. I have to imagine that that a couple doors will open if you come knocking and say, hey, I used to work on Emotet. These people can validate me. Um, right. Right. Yeah, the, the gig is up, but um, yeah. I, I think it's good for consumers of, you know, just the general populace to see something like this, because for a while it felt like, you know, the operators were winning and, right. you know, they, they had this upper hand and they were, it was the internet and everything was a ghost and you couldn't, you know, put, you know, consequences on, you know, the actions that they had taken. And so I think that this does send a message um, to the rest of the the populace that isn't you know running botnets and things like that, that they, you know, that people are looking out and that it's it's a complex problem, but it's something that people are looking to solve. We're not all, we're not all just screaming uh, into the void, but you know the world is trying to make sure that this that this that this gets corrected, and so hopefully hopefully this will trickle down and have effects on you know other operations that are just as bad. I think what's more likely is that big botnets will continue to get targeted for these takedown efforts and yeah hopefully you know if if a big bad wolf can get taken down you know once a year once every couple years you know that's better than doing nothing and in the meantime we'll take the win right absolutely our thanks to recorded futures greg lesnowich for joining us don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Futures Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Caitlin Mattingly. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with executive editor Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. 